Hey there, welcome to Components. I'm your host, Patrick Posick. This is the single topic podcast that discusses modern content strategy using structured and componentized content. Just like component content, each episode is short and about one thing. All right, let's get to it. Hey, Tim here again with Patrick and Jared today. We're continuing the content personalization talk, but we're approaching the part where too much personalization can be bad. Enjoy. So question, I have a question for you, Patrick. Do you think there is, there's a limit to this for a given set of documentation? And like, what would be, if if you were going to build a document, you're like, okay, I have some number of audiences, fill in some ever, whatever large number you have, say, what's the line where you go, okay, it's time to break this into two sets of content and filter it for subsets of those audiences each. Um, I have some thoughts on this, but I'm curious to hear yours. You know, actually, I think that you're probably a better person to answer this at this point in time, but <laughs> I'll give you, I'll give you my very, um, my very, uh, uneducated answer, or maybe, maybe, um, the answer that represents a lack of, of recent experience. Um, I think it really comes down to when you can't mentally process the document without applying the filtration. So like if you can't read down to the document and, and understand it, uh, without filtering for an audience, I think it's gotten too complicated and you're, you probably have gotten to the point where the overhead of maintaining the reuse and the filtration has, um, has eclipsed the, the, the efficiency of single sourcing. And I, I have, a, I have another thing to say, but I want to hear your response to that. Well, I think you're right about the, the complexity, like it boils down to like people's mental capacities to deal with this stuff. And I've, I've seen, um, I have seen topics in systems that people are working on in, in our system that people are working on where they, there will be five or more phrases stacked together in line in a sentence each of them for a particular audience because it's either a product that is going to apply to a particular audience or it's a variation of of a term that a particular audience would expect to see and by expect i mean would have a problem if they saw a different term there but when it when it comes to writing it and then applying filters you know applying the the you know the what you need to actually like process this content so the didavals basically um I've found that when you hit that like five to seven level for a particular term, the writers who are creating the content start having a tough time processing it and managing like what's going on, who's going to see what, and how does the sentence read? Because it all that sentence has to be written in with a particular context. And when you have to take into account five to seven different audiences and their contexts, it can become difficult on a on a that kind of like atomic level to deal with those individual atoms of content so i I think you're right about that i think it's it's interesting as you say that i wonder if something we should do is we should um use some rules that say like once you cross five conditionalizations in a particular yeah area like this system is like hey this might be over conditionalized consider using variables because like that's really that's the other direction right so you can kind of like you can take content out or you can create variableized content to right. kind of put content back in. Um, and I think that sometimes people get really stuck on one mode versus the other, and they don't realize they have both options. Yeah. 
like if you've got phrases stacked next to each other, like just create a variableized phrase, um, you know, name that phrase, you know, give it a, like a, a label. Yeah. And then go write five different versions of it, you know, in a variable file or in a, in a warehouse file. Um, and, you know, um, you know, reference it in um, and have it filtered in that way. And that's going to be far more sustainable and easy to and easier to read. Yeah, I think that's right too. I mean, if you could see it in in those five forms, even if it's a, a you know, let's say two sentences that have been conrefed in, and they're all slightly different, but seeing those five sentences stacked one on top of each other in an editor, each of them, you know, they can all be filtered out at any given point, is an easier experience. It's an easier authoring experience than seeing a two word phrase stacked in line next to each other and trying to parse that out as you're as you're reading through it i mean i think i think humans have a pretty great capacity to learn a lot and then process a lot rather quickly but you know if you think about this from either a team that's new new ish to structured content like this or hiring a writer who is new to a given system even if they're used to structured content they have to learn that new system and now you show them this this xml file in a new system it can be overwhelming and you're gonna it's actually gonna work against you when you're trying to get that writer up to speed i think i think that's gonna be the so case. that that brings up a question that i have um what what is the advice that you give to somebody who's who's just getting going with this like that new writer that new team like you know where do you point them first to apply 20 percent of their effort to get 80 percent benefit in terms of like you know, being ready for this mentally? Um, well, that's a good question. Where do I point them? What do you, can you say more about like, what about, you're assuming, I mean, you're asking like, what advice do I give them? Um, Maybe let me ask in a different way. All right. When you've got somebody who's new to structured content, reuse, filtering, mm-hmm. you know, all these fairly advanced concepts. Yeah. Where do you point them first to start upskilling and um, getting them ready for creating content in this way, developing content, yeah, yeah. like shifting yeah. from like a very a writing mindset to a developing mindset. So that, this is a good question. I just had a conversation yesterday with um, with a group that's p- making this transition right now. They're going from word based authoring and they're moving to Dita and and reuse is filtering is not something that's on their minds yet, um, but reuse is. They want general reuse, and so I think the strategy for for most anybody, these concepts get really difficult to to manage and understand if you come from a word environment that's unstructured and it's not at all like a development environment. You're just writing stuff down in a text editor, basically. So I always start with let's let's take a single document and we're going to break that into different. I mean, the, the typical data way. Let's break this into different content types. Identify in this single page whether this is all the same type of information. And then we do that. So we break those into topics. And then I, I kind of walk them through, you know, like, let's think about this content at we go from this huge document with um, a start and an end. And it has it tells a story, basically, even if your document is some technical piece of writing, that's about a system or something, it's still telling a story. So we have to break that story into its smaller pieces. And once you break a story down enough, that story can be recombined in interesting ways and tell different stories. And so I take those people who are new and I have them do this on a topic level first. 
And when I, when they see the, the ability to reuse topics, then I can say, now, did you know you can take these topics and you can hide them or you can filter them? In other words, you can hide particular topics from particular audiences. And then when, you know, you see the light go off in people's heads, then I can go, you can do that within a topic now too. And then I kind of build that. I mean, conceptually, like I said, this can be difficult for people who are unaccustomed to it. And so I think you have to build that, the conceptual resources. If you just dropped in, hey, you can make this single sentence show up in different ways for five different audiences. It's too overwhelming for people. They've got to be brought to that point where to where they see it, it makes sense. And they then they can execute it with what, what amounts to be minimal training for that particular instance. Uh, that's... That is the answer I, that is not the content I expected, but that is the quality of answer I expected from you. <laughs> the, uh, I, what, were, what were you going to say? Oh, what would you have said? No, I, I, I didn't have an expectation, honestly. Like I was just, I was genuinely curious to hear what you're going to say. Um, the, uh, I would really like to see you put together some type of an online course to help people do that. Yes. Um, I think the, I, I think the reality is that this upskilling going from being, you know, a writer to being an information developer is, is a real thing, right? Yeah. Like, you know, the thing is like writing itself is a skill and it's a skill that's required for information development. But I think that it's not right to assume that um, you have the skills to do true information development just because you can write. Right. Um, now I think almost all writers probably can get there. Um, but it's not, it's a, it's a separate set of skills. It is. It, it 100% is. And I think one of the downfalls of the way our industry tends to break apart a couple of roles contributes to this. We have information developers and we have information architects. And those are different skill sets. Like when you focus on one as opposed to focus on the other, they're different. But you can't be a good information developer without understanding the basics of information architecture. That's true. And I think... I think a lot of tech writers, a lot of information developers don't get that the enough training in inf information architecture to understand the whys. And maybe this is partly partly just me and having this strong need to understand everything that I can. But if you ask me to do a task, I'm happy to do that task for you, but I need to understand the whys that are driving that particular task. And that might be the whys of the system or the whys of you know, the, the reasons why we're doing it in such and such a way. But as soon as I understand those and you get me on board with those whys, I'm ready to roll and then I can really take off. But until then I'm, I'm, you're trying to make me into a machine without giving me a full understanding. And I think that happens in a lot of cases with a lot of writers, we put them in and they need to get to work because we need them to produce, which is great. But there, there is an education that has to happen. Oh, I completely agree. Um, you know, I think, but so I think even being a little bit simpler, I think, I think the term tech writer is is, is not helpful. Um, I think all tech writers should acquire the skills and start calling themselves information developers. And I think like just that mental shift. Yeah. But really defining it too is probably really important, right? So yeah, you know, having the, you know, knowing what qualifies information development um, as opposed to just you know technical writing. Because I mean, literally, if you go and you you fill out a, a README file on a project in GitHub, like that's technical writing, right? You're writing about something technical. You're providing instructions. Yeah. But that's not necessarily information development. Yep. Because you're not incorporating that aspect of of information architecture. Right. The information architecture component 
not necessarily designing and, and creating information architecture, but um, smartly adhering to information architecture and applying the business goals that are embedded in the information architecture is a big part of what moves someone towards doing information development. Um, so I, th I think that that's, that's a shift that I've wanted to see in you know, the general um, you know, technical communications industry for a long time. Thank you.